0: The last U.S. troops have withdrawn from Afghanistan.
1: Many
2: observers, the question, was the war worth it? What were the mistakes made along the way in what has now been America's longest war? The U.S. military's exit from
3: Afghanistan has been as wrenching and morally fraught as the occupation and the war itself.
4: Hello, I'm Meenakshi Ravi, and you're at The Listening Post, the show where we don't cover the news, we cover the way the news is covered. It's been 20 years since the 9-11 attacks in the United States. That triggered what Washington called the war on terror. Two decades since, American mainstream coverage of the U.S.'s turbulent withdrawal from Afghanistan reveals how much has changed and how much has remained the same in the media's approach to America's wars. And for Afghan journalists, since the Taliban have taken over, a tough job has become much tougher. Many have fled the country.
5: I was the breadwinner for my family and today I'm a refugee in another country.
4: It is ironic that nothing has driven home the reality and the futility of 20 years of war in Afghanistan quite as effectively as the quote-unquote end of the war in Afghanistan. The resurgence of the Taliban and the chaotic exit of US ground forces unfolded or rather unraveled in the run-up to the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. They revealed that the so-called war on terror had not only failed, but that the stories successive US administrations have been spinning on Afghanistan through American news outlets had little to do with reality. Narratives of fear, stereotypes about Afghanistan, and a tendency to underreport the impact of America's military adventures abroad are nearly as prevalent in news coverage and rhetoric today as they were back in 2001, deflecting the blame for death, destruction, and defeat in a war long deemed unwinnable. Our starting point this week is Afghanistan's capital, Kabul. A
6: stunning ending to those 20 years of fighting the Taliban.
1: For a lot of... We U.S. public and the European public, the Afghan war was something that was very much happening over there, somewhere else.
6: The U.S. and its allies have just started the withdrawal process After 20 years of fighting.
1: And it was kind of in the background. And then all of a sudden, when we're leaving... ...deteriorating situation unfolding in Afghanistan. I think that really drove home to people just the, the scale of the occupation and the stakes involved.
4: The calculus of exactly when to withdraw from Afghanistan was complex. There were the timelines negotiated by the United States and the Taliban. The imperatives of domestic US politics played a role too. And it's likely there were considerations about how the media narratives of supposedly ending America's longest war would dovetail with the narratives around the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. Those calculations about optics and messaging didn't pan out. The turbulence of America's exit from Afghanistan underscored the fact that after 20 years, hundreds of thousands of lives lost, trillions of dollars spent, the United States had effectively overseen the replacement of the Taliban.
0: Taliban fighters inside the presidential powers
4: with
2: the Taliban. It's a very brutal reminder that history is repeating itself. And I think the American media is struggling on how to cover the fact that America lost this war. Does President Biden not bear the blame for this disastrous exit? The war on terror has not been a victory for uh, for the U.S., whether it was in Iraq or in Afghanistan.
6: War is going to continue in so many ways for the people of Afghanistan. The inconvenient kind of truths about the war that have been rediscovered include the fact that there was massive disruption, massive death as a result of the war. The fact that the United States was supporting a a government in Kabul which was not uh, legitimate in the eyes of many of the Afghan people and that led them to see in many cases the Taliban as the lesser of two evils.
4: The domino-like fall of Afghan cities to the Taliban it now controls nearly all the major cities and the breathless media coverage accompanying it Closing in on Kabul generated a kind of public shock that few news stories can equal. But the events needn't have come as such a surprise. While media attention had been diverted elsewhere for years, the realities of the U.S. occupation of Afghanistan meant things were heading almost inexorably in one direction towards the resurgence of the Taliban.
3: When American troops are not dying in American wars, there's very little media coverage. In the last five to six years, most American news organizations, and in particular television news, has not really been in the country doing sustained coverage. In 2019, the United States reached record levels of airstrikes and bombings in Afghanistan. And despite it continuing at record pace, there were very few journalists investigating that air war. But knowing how the airstrikes and night raids that resulted in massive civilian deaths was essential context that was needed for Americans to understand
6: the Taliban's rise. American viewers need to go directly to the on-the-ground journalists where they can get a picture of what war looks like. This is what Americans don't understand. They think war looks to everybody the way it looks to a U.S. service member followed by a journalist who's embedded with the Pentagon. And that's not what war looks like. Uh, war looks like the loss of home and community, the loss of family members, the loss of a sense of security. Those are really very important issues that are shockingly missing from much media.
1: It's actually been quite difficult for journalists to get access to areas outside the cities, rural areas, where a lot of, for example, the civilian casualties have been happening as a result of US and allied airstrikes. And it's really been uh, exceptions like Anand Gopal, who have gone out into the more rural areas, into the more pro-Taliban areas, to really try and understand what's going on. And they're the ones who, in recent days, have been able to offer the most plausible and convincing accounts of what went wrong.
4: The frantic scenes and stories of the US withdrawal from Afghanistan have made it much tougher for President Joe Biden to put a positive spin on an obvious truth. The largest military in history had effectively been defeated by an impoverished militia.
6: We trained and equipped an Afghan military force.
4: In the speeches he made in the chaotic days after the Taliban's takeover of Kabul, one of Biden's main explanations for America's failed mission in the country was Afghans themselves. We gave them every chance to determine their own future. We could not provide them, was the will to fight for that future.
2: There doesn't seem to be any empathy or sympathy or any kind of sense of, of accountability for what the U.S. did in all these 20 years. Yes, they did try to bring some good. But they made so many mistakes, and I'd like to hear some responsibility and accountability for those mistakes. But the politicians are sort of parroting the same jingoistic patriotism.
4: It is not what our troops, who have sacrificed so much over the past two decades,
3: deserve.
2: About how our troops died and how much we suffered, and of course they did. And what was it all for anyway? Look at these Afghans, they can't even get along with each other. They're warriors who are untamable. Again, this is a trope.
4: No amount of military force would ever deliver a stable, united, secure Afghanistan, as known in history as the graveyard of empires.
1: By using this term, Biden is trying to absolve uh, the US and allies of any responsibility for the current outcome. The idea is that because Afghanistan is the graveyard of empires, that means that this result was inevitable because Afghanistan has always been this way. When we see cliches like this circulating, it's it's actually symptomatic of a deeper problem that we failed to understand the region, we failed to understand its peoples, its history, and that goes a long way to explaining why the US mission in Afghanistan actually failed so badly.
4: For the Taliban, Back in the spotlight and with a grip on Kabul after two decades in the Afghan hinterlands, the past few weeks have put their media skills to the test. Be it in the Afghan capital, where a government is being brought together, or in the Qatari capital of Doha, from where the Taliban continues to hold talks with the United States and other nations, the group is clearly making an effort with how it presents itself to a watching public.
3: The Taliban, ideologically, is not that different than the Taliban in the 90s. I don't think we've seen fundamental changes. We've perhaps seen changes in the way they express themselves to some extent. The Taliban today wants some kind of international legitimacy. So that may motivate them to give at least publicly different positions. But if you look at some of their statements from 1996, when Christian Amanpour sat down to interview a senior leader in the Taliban.
4: What about women's education, girls' education, women working? He
3: said the equivalent of, of what many Taliban leaders are saying today. Or
5: we can provide them separate places so that they can be educated or they can work in offices.
3: Which is that, you know, until we can train our men to treat women better, we want them to stay at home. And so some of the rhetoric has not changed at all despite this leverage.
4: It would be simplistic to say that nearly 20 years since the Taliban were scattered across the country by US forces, things have come full circle in Afghanistan. The country has changed. Its people who have endured a violent occupation and corrupt governments have different expectations. And geopolitical factors have also evolved. The Afghan story is likely to hold media interest for a while longer. But focusing on the here and now will be insufficient to truly understand what has happened.
1: I think a question that's only just beginning to be asked, both in the media and in the broader public discourse, is whether the war in Afghanistan was necessary in the first place. Recall that in 2001, the war in Afghanistan was widely seen as a good war. Uh,
0: This is a time for self-defense.
1: And the Iraq war was very much the illegal war, the war that no one wanted.
6: The debate about the war against Iraq has divided many along the political spectrum.
1: We need to look at our failings in Afghanistan Uh, and Iraq, and the Middle East more generally to try and understand why they keep happening. And I think the question that is now beginning to be asked is, was either of these wars actually necessary and did either of these wars actually achieve anything good?
4: The Taliban's takeover of Afghanistan has left the country's media, which had grown dramatically over the past two decades, in a state of uncertainty over their future. Those fears have increased over the past week. Flo Phillips has been across this story. Flo, what has happened?
7: A lot, Mina. Protests have been taking place in a number of cities, and there have been numerous reports of journalists being arrested and beaten. In Kabul on Wednesday, the editor of a newspaper, Et Laate Rose, said that police detained five of his reporters and then assaulted two of them while they were in custody. He shared this video showing one of the journalists having difficulty walking after the attack, as well as these photos showing marks left by beatings in detention. Another outlet, Ariana News, had a similar story to tell from the day before. And according to the Afghan Journalists Association, a total of 14 reporters were arrested on that Tuesday.
4: Have there been any other indications about what Afghan journalists can
7: expect from the Taliban's approach to the media more broadly? Well, the Taliban have only just started to govern. What we've seen so far isn't exactly reassuring. And when they were last in power back in the 1990s, they outlawed the use of the internet and they confiscated and destroyed numerous TV sets. But when they took Kabul last month, they were at pains to change perceptions. One official sat down for an interview with Paheshta Argant, a female presenter on the country's most widely watched private channel, Tolo News. And in the Taliban's first press conference, their spokesperson had this to say.
0: I would like to assure the media. We are committed to media within our cultural frameworks. Uh, uh, Private media can continue to be free and independent.
7: Those words obviously leave a lot to interpretation. And indeed, different outlets have responded in different ways. The state broadcaster, RTV, were very quick to take their female presenters off the air indefinitely, whereas Tolo News have stuck with their female anchors, although not Beheshta Argent, She's fled the country. Many reporters, both male and female, have followed suit.
4: So that's a status check on the media as it is in Afghanistan in the here and now. Obviously, the Taliban have only been in control of Kabul for about a month now. However, you and another producer on our team, Ahmed Mahdi, you've been tracking conditions for Afghan journalists for longer.
7: We have. Ahmed and I have been speaking with three Afghan media workers about their experiences for the past 20 years. The first, a seasoned photojournalist. Then there's a reporter who actually had to flee her home province after the advance of the Taliban. And finally, a media security specialist who actually helped the others to escape to Kabul, which was then a safe haven for journalists who were under threat. As you'll see in our report, all of that changed practically overnight when the city fell to the Taliban. Okay, thanks, Flo.
4: We bring you that report now on the past, present and future of the media in Afghanistan, as told by Afghan journalists. In order to protect their identities, the journalists are played by actors.
6: The U.S. will soon complete its withdrawal of forces from Afghanistan after 20 years of fighting.
4: At least 13 regional capitals have been taken in just the past week, leaving Kabul, and just a handful of areas under government control. Most of the north of the country has been taken over. Those who've escaped to Kabul are staring at uncertainty.
5: It's hard to express just how much pressure journalists are under in Afghanistan. Every time I am at work, I have this feeling that I am being followed that someone will attack me. I'm anxious all the time.
0: One of the most significant gains in Afghanistan over the past 20 years has been press freedom that is now crumbling before my eyes.
8: We have lost two decades of achievements in one go. A society that managed to start from nothing and find its footing now has a sense that 20 years on, everything is being lost. I came into the media field in 2001, just as we were going through a huge evolution in Afghanistan. The situation was quite new for women in Afghanistan. And it was difficult for a young lady to stand there, holding a big camera amongst all the others. Gradually, I managed to fit in. I finally began travelling to different provinces and my photos started being seen worldwide. The reason I work as a photojournalist is to reflect the things that are happening in Afghanistan. I wanted to express myself through positive images of my country. My friends and family are always trying to stop me going to certain places. But my answer is, I have to go. This is my job. I was told that this is almost like a kind of suicide and that I shouldn't do it. But I can't just give up my career. Right now, I am stuck in Kabul. The security situation has stopped our work and I can't travel to other parts of the country like I used to. It's created a gap between the media and society. We're no longer free to work as we have been over the last 20 years.
0: My colleagues and I are working around the clock to help keep journalists safe. Our job is harder today than at any other time that I can remember. After the collapse of the Taliban in 2001, we established hundreds of media outlets. The fact that we have the best press freedom record in the entire region is one of the most significant success stories of Afghanistan. But press freedom came at a great cost. Since 2001, We have lost more than 100 journalists and media workers in Afghanistan. And this really escalated in late
2: 2020.
0: Malala Maywand was a very well-known journalist for Enekas TV. Her death was extremely, extremely painful for me. She worked closely with our organization to help other journalists. Just a few months later, in March this year, three of her colleagues at the same network were also
1: killed. That was
0: one of the most difficult days in my career. So many journalists have had to leave their homes and come to Kabul for their safety. We are fighting to ensure that we do not lose the spirit that Malala and her colleagues fought for.
5: Whenever we heard stories about a journalist being killed, we'd mourn them like we had lost a member of our own family. It would make us feel like any minute we could be next. I started working for local media 13 years ago. We used to work without any problems or threats, but over the last year, as the Taliban began to take control of parts of the country, our work gradually became impossible. The radio stations in some of those provinces are completely off air now. I spoke to my colleagues there. The Taliban had stormed their offices and accused them of working for the government. I and a number of other reporters began receiving death threats from the Taliban, ISKP and other groups. If we had stayed in our provinces, we or our families would have been killed. So with some help, we managed to go to a secure safe house in Kabul. Today the media in Afghanistan is in a miserable and worrying condition. For the past 20 years the Afghan government has been very vocal about being committed to women's rights and freedom of speech. But where is that commitment now? Suddenly, it feels as though we are turning the clock back 40 years. All our achievements will have been wasted and we will be silenced once again.
0: We're just gonna bring you these uh, live and exclusive uh, pictures here. Taliban fighters inside the presidential powers.
1: Anguish and agony as 15,000 Americans and many more Afghans try to escape Kabul. It's as bad as it gets now. Thousands upon thousands trapped.
0: I was one of the lucky ones. My family and I managed to aboard a plane to Qatar, and now we are in a new location. We are safe now, but my colleagues and I are still trying to do everything we can to help all the journalists still in Afghanistan. I don't think there will be anything close to freedom of the press in Afghanistan under the Taliban.
5: We were taken from the safe house to the airport and evacuated on an American military plane to Qatar, where I am now. I'm safe, but my family are still in Afghanistan, in my home province. I was a successful freelance reporter for local and international media. I was the breadwinner for my family, and today I'm a refugee in another country. The Taliban spokesperson talked about respecting freedom of the press. But in Kabul now, as well as in many provinces, many journalists are being beaten and harassed. Journalists that remain in Afghanistan, especially female ones,
8: are in mortal danger all the time. Ever since the Taliban entered the city, I have been at the airport with my family trying to leave. I have been given offers to go alone, but I cannot leave my family behind. I am receiving help from two major international outlets I work for regularly but I have very little hope I will be able to get out. Even the NGOs that work to protect journalists in Afghanistan have left in fear for their lives. Journalists in this country are now completely alone. I want to work. I want to practice journalism. I want to show the rest of the world what is happening here, but I can't.
4: It's been 20 years since the September 11th attacks. 20 years that have reshaped global warfare, geopolitics, and the media. From Washington to Kabul to Baghdad and beyond, the war on terror is still making headlines. Afghan journalists fear for their freedom. News outlets on the outside are still struggling to get past the spin to reality. There is much that, after 20 years, has not changed. We'll see you next time, here at The Listening Post.